chapter 20. We'll be reading the entire chapter, verses 1 through 15. Please stand when you found your place in the Word. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain, and he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and shut it and sealed it over him, so that he might not deceive the nations any longer, until the thousand years were ended. After that he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for the battle. Their number is like the sands of the seas, and they marched up and over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. The fire came down from heaven and consumed them, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and the sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. It's reading God's holy word. You may be seated. We, we sang that song, My Victory. We speak of the cross and, and where our, our victory for eternal salvation is won and secured when we place our faith in him. At this point in Revelation 20, as we touched on last week, when... when Christ rides out on the white horse and all of heaven is opened up and follows after him, us and the holy angels. Well, what, what happens? Satan is utterly defeated and he is captured and he is put into hell for a thousand years. This is, a, this is something that should be so wondrous to our hearts that we, we just want to get up and down and say amen. You know, all, all the evil that you're going through is not of God, it's of Satan. He is the evil one. He is the liar from the beginning, the murderer. He is the false accuser. And I want, uh, before we really dive into this, for you to notice something and as we go back to, to when Jesus was in the wilderness. What did Satan offer him? He offered him, if he would just bow the knee, he would have all the kingdoms of the earth under his control. Well, guess what? Jesus has all the kings of the earth in his control, but he never had to bow the knee. Amen. And I want to tell all of you, you don't have to bow the knee to the evil one to, to get, get what you want. God will provide it in his time. So we, we need to remember that. We need to look at that. But as we go on, we, we look and we see that there's a uh, there's really two periods of judgment that, that happen in Revelation. The first one, this is a positive one. There's we, we hear the word judgment, we kind of assume that uh, we're gonna be my like my wife on Monday has to go and do jury duty. We assume we're gonna be doing we, we sitting in the jury and watching someone be accused of something and then sentenced to jail or something horrible. 
But there are also judgments where you can can uh, be rewarded with, with things as well. And that is what is happening here in the first part of Revelation 20. The, the, the second judgment that comes after a thousand years, that is not going to be a pleasant one for the majority of people. That is going to be very unpleasant. But this one here is a, a judgment because as we talked about last week, Christ has returned, Christ has conquered, and he is now setting up his kingdom. And he goes through, and there's, uh, in just a second, I'll talk about the, the different resurrections that happen at this point. But what is happening here is the, the, the saints, you and I, that have been raptured as the church have now returned with him, and Christ is putting in order um, our, our rank in the new kingdom. You know, we, we understand that the eternal order, there will be, there will be no difference between you and I. There will be no um, uh, um, different positions. While um, on the earthly kingdom of Jesus, until the new heaven and new earth, people, based on how they have lived their life faithfully to God, will be placed in different positions. And so that is part of the judgment here. So that is a, a reward, a blessing. God has told us that he has many blessings in store for us. Paul says our mind cannot even imagine the things that God has in store. Amen. And one, one of the things that we are all promised is a crown. A crown of righteousness to signify our eternal life. To signify that, that we've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that we are part of his kingdom. So as we go on, let's talk about uh, the resurrections that, that has taken place. Um, obviously, the, the greatest of all resurrections, the first um, of the resurrection, the one who is the resurrection, was Jesus Christ. On the third day, he rose to life, giving, giving us victory. That, that song we just sung, what, what Scripture talks about is, because Jesus has been resurrected, it means that the Father has accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. It is very important for us to understand that Without the resurrection, the cross is emptied of its power. Amen. We need to understand that clearly. Because Jesus rose from the grave, that means we have been forgiven. That, that God no longer looks at us and says, look at those wretched sinners. Look at those people who have despised me, who have sinned against me. When we place our faith in Christ, what does God see when he looks at me or when he looks at you? He sees the blood of his son. He sees that has been paid for. Amen. When Satan, the accuser, comes uh, before God's throne and tries to accuse you and say, this person has done this sin and this sin and their marriage is falling apart and they, they're horrible at work and they cuss and they do all this and they run around and all the sins that Satan wants to lay against you. And you know what happens? Jesus steps forward and said, I have paid it all. It has been paid. Amen. You have no authority here, Satan. You have no authority to accuse the person that I have bought with my own blood. Amen. They belong to me. They are indeed, as we know from last week, they are my bride. Amen. No husband is ever going to allow the bride to, to be accused in the way that Satan accuses. And they will be silent suddenly. So the very first of the resurrection is Jesus Christ. And the second uh, part of the resurrection will be you and I, the, the believers, when we are raptured. Our bodies are changed to the glorified state that we long to be in. And so second of all, you will have the, the resurrected saints. And then during the tribulation, which we've uh, covered, there's uh, the, the two witnesses, or the two prophets of old, that they will be resurrected as well. And then finally, at, at the return of Christ after the battle of Armageddon, the Old Testament saints... Go one more slide. The Old Testament 
saints will be resurrected on the day of the positive judgments, if you will. So I want you to imagine Jesus is setting up his kingdom. Very similar. We have presidents, when they get elected, they go through and they have to set up their cabinet. Who is Jesus going to pick for his cabinet? There's a lot to choose from. Well, let's go through. Well, you have Adam, you have Noah, you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You have the prophets, Isaiah, Daniel, Elijah, Elisha. You can go on and on and on. But there, there's one person in particular we'll talk about in a little bit, King David. You think Jesus is going to have him in his cabinet? What about you? Will you be in his cabinet? If you are a believer, you will. Understand that clearly. And so then, of course, after, after this, after the Old Testament saints are resurrected, um, immediately after, you'll have the tribulation saints. These are the people that, that were alive during the tribulation and who have, who have been uh, martyred. They have been killed for their faith. These are the people that will be resurrected, and they are promised a, a special blessing by God uh, for giving their lives during, during that very hard time. Because it will be like no other time in the history of the world where Satan's power and his Antichrist is ruling, and he is demanding to be worshipped, demanding people to take the mark of the beast. And there will be some who stand up rightly and say, no, we are to worship God alone and his Savior, Jesus Christ. There will be many who give in, and they, they are the ones that at this point are cast into the lake of fire. They will not enter into the kingdom. And so we, we kind of need to ask ourselves, you know, the... Uh, the, the millennial reign, you know, what, what is it made of? Exactly what's, what is it about? And uh, what, what is its purpose? You know, I, I think a lot of us, we have this idea that when we die, we go to heaven, and then the rest of life is perfect forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But we, we tend to skip over this, this millennial reign of Christ. But by doing so and having that uh, mentality, we're making God out to be a liar. Understand clearly. God has made promises to people in the Old Testament. He's made promises to people in the New Testament that have yet to be fulfilled. And God is not a liar. Amen. So I want you to remember, whatever God has promised you, whatever He has promised you through His Word, He will see that it is done. He will move heaven and earth literally to see that it is done. Amen. So when we look, look at some of these things, what does He say about us, the glorified saints? He says in the kingdom we will be like the angels. We won't become angels, but we will be like the angels. We will have our immortal bodies. You know, we see in the New Testament, Jesus in his glorified body literally is able to just appear in a room, a room that had locked doors with no windows. He just appears. He doesn't have to go through. There's a metaphysical change to the body. But ultimately, our purpose is the, the, the purpose, the shared purpose of the angels is to, to worship God, to glorify God. To see that his kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness. And we'll partake in that. Uh, I'll read real quick here from Luke 20. It says, And Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age and to the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for they cannot die anymore because they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. Understand, at this point you are considered equal with the angels. And at the point of the great... Great judgment, understand what, what Paul says. He says, do you not know you will be above the angels? Do you not know you will be judges over the angels? Who wants to be one judge and Satan? We've got a lot to accuse him of, don't we? So to so understand that this, this order that we're going through in the millennium, 
is a God-ordained order. And so that, that verse I read, it makes us ask a question. Well, why aren't we having children in, in the millennium? You know, what, what does marriage look like in that? And we'll talk a lot about that tonight, but just want to briefly state that the purpose in procreation and having, having children originally assigned to Adam was to populate the earth. You know, there, there are going to be millions of saints returning with us. Amen? Amen. It's going to be a lot larger than the crowd we have here. We're going to need a bigger building. Huh? We'll get working on that. But the reality is that millions will be returning. But the ones that are assigned to repopulate the earth during the millennium are those that have survived the tribulation. They, they are believers in Jesus. And they were not killed by the Antichrist or Satan. And they were found worthy because they believed in Christ. And so now they get to enter into the millennium, but understand they still have not been changed. They, they do not yet have their glorified bodies. And so they are the ones that will be seeking marriage and be repopulating the earth. And these are the ones that, that will produce children. And that's important for us to understand when Satan is loose, why he's able to deceive some. He will not ever be able to deceive you and I once we're in our glorified bodies. So let's continue and look at... Um, I've got um, at least nine promises, and there's many more that, that I, that I um, wrote down this week for you. From Psalm 15, we read that there, there will be a time of righteous living, that when Christ is king, that, that the world will be described as, as generally in a state of righteousness, especially early on when it's everyone, in, as the millennium kicks off, everyone is a believer. There, there may be others that are born later on, into sinful bodies that fall into temptation and, and do not believe. But you and I, we will all be believers. Everyone in that time will live through what it was like when Christ was not king. And they will praise God because they know how much better it is with Jesus as king. Amen? Amen? We can look at our lives. There's been a time in my life where Jesus was not king over my life, and it was horrible. It was miserable. And I, I look back, I can't believe I lived like that. But God gets a hold of us, doesn't he? And when we surrender to him as king, it becomes so much better. It says that it will be a righteous kingdom. Understand that when we talk about Jesus as a prophet, priest, and king, he has yet to reign as king. Do you understand that? Mm -hmm. When he came the first time, he came as the prophet, declaring what God was going to do and to give a sacrifice of himself for the people. And then and when he was raised to the uh, sent to the right hand of the Father, he became our high priest, interceding on our behalf day and night, forever and ever, until the Father tells him to come again. But they may have called him king of the Jews, but he has not yet actually been the king of the Jews, or the king of all kings. During the millennium, he will be the king of all kings, and he will reign as the head from David's throne. He will truly be the king of the Jews in that time. Isaiah says there will be true peace, not the false peace like we have, we, we I know some people are concerned with North Korea spouting off and our president responding in kind. We were not living in a time of peace. We were, you know, we, we were living in a time between war is really the more accurate statement. You know, in my entire life, we have almost always been at war. We're even at war now, even though we don't talk about it very much. In Isaiah 65, this is one that I really look forward to. I, I'm one, I enjoy the Brookfield Zoo. I like going to the zoo and seeing the animals. Isaiah 65 says that the animals will be restored to their natural nature. Amen. Think about the Garden of Eden. Think about uh, Eve being able to talk with the snake. Who here wants to talk with the snake? No, we're afraid of them, right? Well, we've got 
<laughs> we got two, but oh, four. Notice they're all okay. Throw my. I was gonna say they're all Zimmerleys, but Vanessa backed you up. So. The, rea the reality is, is that the animals will be restored to the nature. The scriptures say you will be able to let your child play with an adder's den. Who knows what an adder is? It's a very, very poisonous snake. Yeah. It, it was kind of the king cobra of snakes, your rattlesnake of the day in, in, in the, the time that, that Jesus would have lived. So understand what he's saying is, your child could go play with the most dangerous snake in, in its den where its babies are kept and it won't be attacked. Because the nature of animals will no longer be against humanity. They, Genesis says that when we fell, that God put the uh, fear and dread of humanity into animals. Uh, animals outside of your, your dogs and things have a, a dread of humanity that is put into them. That is why they recoil while snakes get scared when, when a human approaches. And why the animals are always against each other. It says the lion will be able to lay down with the lamb. The lion, the most fearsome creature on the earth with the lamb, the most passive, un, unprotected creature. There, there's nothing the lamb can do to protect itself. It is completely dependent on its shepherd. And it's saying that the lion will come and lay down with the lamb. I look forward to that day because the whole world will be a zoo to me. I'll be able to go and I'll go be able to pet those tigers they don't let me pet at the Brookfield Zoo. <laughs> I, I was curious though, just on side when I, I, I was there uh, Friday I notice in the lions, there's no protective netting. There's just a really big barrier so they can't jump across. I notice with the tigers, same thing. Snow leopards, protective barrier. So I don't know what that's about. Just be careful with the snow leopards. They might be able to jump. I got a little nervous when I saw that netting. I'm like, okay, back up. And I, I know many will, many will enjoy this one. Micah, chapter 4, says that you'll have prosperity unimaginable. Not like the prosperity preachers preach, but true prosperity that, that is given by God as Christ as King. And when we talk about wanting to have enough money to retire and, and to be able to live with our, our, not having bills to worry about, bills won't even be a comprehension in the kingdom. Understand that this is so beyond anything that, that we have been able to fathom. And one of the things that I'll, I'll have, if you will, turn to the maps that I have, uh, John. Okay. Right now I want to show you this little yellow thing right here. This, would, this is the modern state of Israel. And that's the United States behind it. That little thing right there. Not, not very big, right? It's a little bit smaller than New Jersey. Go ahead and turn to the next slide. See that area in blue? That is the promised land. The land that is promised to Abraham. That will be the size of Israel in the kingdom. That will be what Jesus is reigning over when we call him the king of the Jews. Of course, we also call him the king of the world because he truly will be the king of the world. But understand that that little spot is going to get a lot bigger because that is what God has promised to Abraham, promised to Isaac, and promised to Jacob and their descendants forever. And so God is not a liar. If God were to take us home and start the eternal order right now, we'd have to say, what about Abraham's promise? What about your promise to David that you would reign on his throne? There's a lot of these promises that have yet to take place. So I want you to understand the, the, um, the purpose in the eternal order, in the millennium. You know, as I said, Christ will rule from David's throne. Uh, there's some that say he's ruling from David's throne right now. The problem is David's not seated at the right hand of God, is he? His throne has never been there, nor ever will be, because he is a man. He's not God. David's throne has always been in Jerusalem, and that's where Christ will reign from. 
Well, another uh, thing that I really look forward to is this. There's a passage where Jesus says, um, he's talking to the Pharisees who are here rejecting him. He says, a day will come where they will come from the north. They will come from the south. They will come from the west and the east to dine with who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of the living. They will be resurrected with us. And we will be able to dine with him. You ever want to know what it will be like to talk to Moses? You are going to get that opportunity. I really want to know what it would be like to, to see John the Baptist, see if he's still eating the, 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 wild, the wild creatures that, that he enjoyed. Hopefully his appetite's changed a little bit since then. But there's all kinds of people we look at. What would it have been like to be Esther? Ladies, we'll be able to go up to, to Esther and know her and talk, talk, talk about the, her life here and give our testimonies to them as well. It's going to be a, a great, wonderful time. Now, I, it's important to note that there are some things that are not yet eliminated. Death is not yet eliminated in the millennium. Uh, what is eliminated is the, the shortness of life. Scripture says that no more will a child be stillborn. No more will a child be, die before its time. It says even the sinner will live to 100 years old. Understand that death will be greatly reduced, but it will not be vanquished until the end of the millennium. And so as I, I have a one of the fun, uh, it's the final slide with um, the, the monarchy, how, how that is established. There we go. So, so we have uh, Jesus is going to have kind of two branches in his kingdom. First, I'll, I'll talk about the Gentile branch because for most of us that affects us more. With, with this you have the, the Gentile branch, the, the head of that under uh, King Jesus is the church and the tribulation saints. So that's you and I. And we will be put in positions of authority. We no longer have to worry about uh, political elections and what it's going to be like if one day a righteous man actually rules the country or rules the state or so on. That God will put righteous men and women all over to, to reign in his kingdom. And, and under the church will be the kings of the earth. The, these will be the kings that have been appointed that, that have yet to have those glorified bodies. And they are in charge of the nations as the nations grow and repopulate the earth. And then, of course, under that are, are those nations. And then under the other side, we, we see the resurrected David. And there's several verses, and if you want, I could go over those verses sometime. But there's several verses that talk about David as the prince. David in his entire life is never a prince. His natural father, Jesse, was not a king. A day came where, where God appointed David to be the next king. And after a long period of time where Saul tried to kill him day and night, if you feel persecuted, read about David. He was a man who lived in persecution his entire life. But a day came where God's promise was fulfilled to him, and he became king. But he has not yet been the prince. And he will be the prince over his people under the authority of King Jesus. And under that we have the twelve apostles who were told will reign over the twelve tribes. We were not told which, which twelve tribes. I'm pretty sure Paul's going to be over the tribe of Benjamin. That's just my hunch though. And then you have, uh, under that you'll have princes and judges and counselors and many prophecies that say, I will make it like the days of old before you had a king when you had a judges over you. That's how the kingdom in Israel was originally established. There was not a king of Israel, there were judges. One judge for each tribe. And things went really well until we People got a little bit arrogant, want to be like the other nations. But God said, I put this in your heart for the purpose of having who? Jesus as king Amen. over the entire earth. And so that, that is what we're seeing. Now, of course, there, there is a, 
a part of this passage that we must address is the release of Satan. Why is Satan released after a thousand years? The reality is you and I, we have experienced what it's like to live in a sinful, fallen world, to live in sinful, fallen bodies who need a Savior, Jesus Christ. And we know what it's like to live in a world where Jesus is not king. But a day is going to come in, in, the, in, the, in the millennial kingdom after the tribulation where those young children will be born. You know, and we can see nine, ten generations go by before Satan is released. And many of these will, will start to become uh, dissatisfied with Jesus. You know, we, we see the arrogance of, of man's heart. And these are people who still have the sinful bodies. And so Satan is permitted to tempt them for a small period of time. And those that give in to the temptation and follow after him. Because Satan right after he tempts them, goes to make war on Jesus in Jerusalem. By far the shortest war in the history of the world. It's not going to go very well for Satan. In fact, you know, there's, there's no need, there's, we don't read about any trumpets being sounded, that look, look, Satan's coming to approach our kingdom. Now what does it say? When, when Satan surrounds the kingdom, the Father rains down hellfire and brimstone and destroys Satan. Amen. Think about that. That your enemies are gone forever. And at that point, we will see the eternal order. And, it, it's, and this is, I think, something that's bittersweet for us. We long to see Satan get what he deserves. We long to see him put into hell forever and ever. We do not long for, for anyone else to be in hell, though. And the reality of this last week, I must tell you, is kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I want you to know emphatically God loves you. God loves you. It is why he sent his son to die for you. Amen. It is why his son is going to come again. Mm -hmm. Because he loves you. Mm -hmm. When I went down to central Illinois, many of you know the, the Delgado family. Jaime and Debbie, they've been part of this church you know, longer than some of us have been alive. They've been a central part of this church. Their, their grandson, Jamie, and many of you will know, lost a brother to suicide. If you listen to the family talk about it, he was 16 years old. Listen to the family talk about it, you, you, you would hear them talk about how much he was loved. But at some point, he didn't believe it. I want you to know and to, to understand and to believe it. And when people are crying out for help and you see signs, go to them and remind them of how much God loves them. A young life was taken away, a life I believe God would use greatly. Don't let Satan deceive you. Don't let him try to try to talk you in the corner and say, God doesn't really love you. Satan has always been a liar. He's always been a deceiver. He desires to destroy you. There's no playing games with Satan. He is our enemy emphatically. We are told to, to pray for people like the leader of North Korea when, when they threaten us. They are trying to be our enemies, but our real enemy is Satan. Amen. He is the enemy of God. He is the enemy of the church. He, he tries hard to de destroy us. He tries hard to destroy families. There have been too many times I've heard where people, especially young people, are taking their own lives. If you see your children struggling, talk to them. Bring others that they'll open up to. The reason I went down to Central Illinois is because Jamie reached out to me. He was hurting. And I wanted to make sure he would not follow his brother's footsteps. Mm -hmm. Understand that we have a responsibility. Yes, you here know that God loves you. Does your family know that God loves them? That's on you. 
you need to make sure they know that they are loved by God. That God has come to, to set them free from that pain. That He will send His Holy Spirit as Comforter to comfort them. No, life's not going to be a bed of roses and it's not, not always going to be all rainbows and sunshine. There's going to be hard moments in life. Extremely hard moments. But God desires no one to, to die. He desires us all to know Him and all to come to eternal life. And all to partake in His reign with King Jesus in the millennium. You know, a, a day is going to come where we're in that millennium with our brothers and sisters and we are rejoicing. I believe when, when we die, it'll feel like mere moments before Christ is returning. We, we could talk about those that we've lost, our Papa Toms and our Carlos, our Justins, those that have gone before us. And we're going to be in the millennium with them. Amen? Amen. But we need to be here for those that are hurting now. Our brothers and sisters that, 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 that feel so down. You know, I want... I want at the end of the life to be able to present everyone here to God as a, a holy offering. As Paul, Paul, Paul described it, a life poured out as a, a sacrifice for God. And I want whenever we have services to be able to give family hope. You know, I can offer you the hope of Jesus Christ of having eternal life. But I can't offer someone false hope if you do not receive that gift of eternal life. I understand that that day is coming when heaven and earth will pass away. It will be consumed by fire. Sorry if you're into the global warming thing. That's not going to do us in. I'd be much more worried about the, the wrath of God than I am that. But the reality is that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And it is at this time in the eternal order where Christ says, And I will wipe away every tear from your eye. All pain will be gone. All that suffering it will be ended. We will no longer talk about it. You know, the Apostle Paul tells us that we will not even consider it to be worthy of discussion for what Christ has done for us. And we will be in those glorified bodies, have eternal life. The, the things of this world are our houses and our cars and the bills and all that that piles up and it, it causes stress for us. The reality, that, that won't even be worthy, worthy of consideration. We'll look at that and be like, why do we complain about something so silly? God will provide for you. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew says, Do you not know that God provides for the birds of the air? How much of more value are you than they are? God loves you. Know this supremely. Let others that you have contact with know. I do not want to see another one lost in this despair. And I would ask you as your church family to pray for Jamie. This is now his second brother that he has lost. And his other brother's getting ready to go into the military. He is, to say the least, is freaking out. He, need, he needs a Christ family to come alongside him and be what, what Christ would want us to be. Yes, we, we can, uh, I as a preacher can stand up here and I can preach to you guys and tell you what God's Word does and that's what I intend to do until God calls me home. But the reality is we must get outside these walls. We must go where, where people are hurting. We must go to the the funeral homes and the hospitals. We must go to those streets where we see people hurting to each other's homes in those dark times. We must understand that, that that prayer that Christ has us pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that prayer is going to be answered one day very soon. Amen. But until then, we are to be about being that kingdom now. We are to go to our loved ones and, and share the gospel with them so they can partake in the kingdom with us. In the kingdom, there will be no more cancer. 
In the eternal order, there will be no disease. It will be beyond glorious, beyond our comprehension. Know that you suffer for a little while now. And it is but a little while. As I close, I want you to think about eternity. How, how could we measure eternity? You know, I'll use a, um, an illustration that uh, Francis Chan has used many times before. He takes like a 300-foot rope. He puts a little tape around the, the front end, and he, he stretches it out over the entire church so everybody can be holding a rope and looking at it. The tape is red and the rope is white. And he's saying your life is this little red tape. That's all you get. Eternity is the rest of the way. And it's in a rope that never ends. And the reality is, is those of us that have expressed faith in Christ and genuine, have genuine heart repentance in Him will be saved and experience all eternity with Jesus Christ. Whether in heaven or in the millennial kingdom or in the eternal order to come, we will always be with our Lord. Amen? Amen. But there are many who will die in their sins, rejecting Jesus Christ, and that eternity will not be with Jesus but it will be in hell forever separated from God. It will be where Satan is. Understand that clearly. But when Satan is punished, he is punished from eternal fire to burn forever and ever. Him with the Antichrist and the false prophet. God does not intend one human to be in hell. The scriptures declare hell was not created for humanity. It was created for the fallen angels who have rejected God and tried to usurp his authority. Understand that God loves you. God, by His love, has to be just. Just like He has to fulfill every promise He has ever made, He has to be just to His Word. If you reject Him, you do not know Him, and you reject Him and think you will get into heaven, He is not being a very loving and just God if He allows you into heaven, while the rest of us have had to get down on bended knee and sacrifice our lives to God. Understand clearly that that God loves you, and that's why you have this opportunity now. I can't guarantee you that you're going to live to see next week. When you see a 16-year-old in a coffin, it makes you realize how short life is. Well, tomorrow is not promised. But what is promised is if you place your faith in Christ, you'll be part of the Millennial Kingdom. You'll be kind of worthy to be called a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Amen? Amen. So as we close in prayer, we're going to take a time if um, if there's anyone who does not know Christ, come down. We will pray over you. And we will talk with you so you understand what that means exactly. There's not magic in the words or in the, the cushions that are down here. The, it's in the repentance of your heart, that genuine faith that you have. If anyone anyone is struggling need people to pray over, that's what we're here. If you are sick and, and need healing, come and the scripture says, let the elders anoint you with oil and you will be healed. Believe that. That's pray. Our Father, Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks that a glimpse of what your kingdom is going to be like, Lord. It will be wonderful and glorious and majestic. And we will praise you day and night, for you are the son of it. Lord, be with us now and forever. If there's anyone here who does not know you, Lord, or who needs prayer, put it in their heart to come forth so we may pray with them, Lord. It's in your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.